on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. All right. Thank you to the band and to Joel and our whole crew here this morning who got up early and got here and prepared. And uh, I'll tell you what, uh, this season is really something. It's, it's uh, weighing on all of us, and um, I'm just more grateful than ever that we get to worship together. Even if we're not together, like wherever you are, I can't see your faces, but knowing that you're there means the world to me. And so I just, I just thank God for you today. Um, if you don't know me, I'm Eric Huffman. I'm the lead pastor here at The Story. And if this is your first time worshiping with The Story, I'm so glad you're here. And I hope that this service speaks to your heart. I hope that you find something that you need and you've been longing for in this service. Um, I know this is a, a strange time, and I know we're all looking for ways to stay connected. And in that spirit, our team has created a, a website, a webpage, especially for this um, crisis that we're in. And so if you're looking for ways to serve the world around you, or if you have specific needs, um, like um, errands that need to be run or something that needs to be taken care of, listen, don't let yourself just go it alone. We have this website, uh, thestory.church is our website, but thestory.church slash updates is the best way to stay informed about all the ways we're on the move, even at a time like this. Also, there's information there about how to get connected to some of our groups. We have things going on every day of the week online. We've moved the church on the web completely uh, throughout this season, and you can find ways of getting connected to those um, daily events and, and points of connection uh, at thestory.church slash updates. Also, guys, um, during this weird season where we're not meeting together, um, I do hope that y'all will continue to support the story's mission and ministries financially um, on our safe and secure giving portal. That's at thestory.church slash donate. And um, it, is, it is a safe way to do it, and it is so important as this season for all of us, no matter what um, line of work you're in or what um, your family's going through, all of us, it's all hands on deck time. And if we're going to continue our outreach here at this story, if we're going to continue this forward um, motion that God has us in um, to reach non-religious people for Jesus, we're going to need your, your support. And so thank you for your generosity, um, especially at a time like this. Um, we're so, so grateful. All right. So uh, I, I will begin with a confession. Y'all, I do not know why God allows things like this COVID-19 crisis to happen. I know that's a question on many people's hearts. Where's God at a time like this? Um, why does God let something like this happen? I don't know that. I know that it has us all reeling in different ways, right? We're all nervous. We're all on edge for different reasons. Some of us are literally right now worried about our health. Like you might be at home showing symptoms of, of what coronavirus is said to be like, and you're worried, or you're worried about a loved one, or you're worried about your, your job. Maybe you've already been laid off, or you think that you will be soon, and, and you're terrified about what it will mean for you or your family. Some of us, many, all of us are worried about healthcare workers, right? Those on the front lines of this battle, as they're laying their lives down, um, they're putting their own safety at risk for, for our sake, and they wouldn't have it any other way because they are angels walking among us. Thank God for the nurses and doctors that are on the front lines fighting this. Um, we're all anxious for different reasons, and, and this social separation piece doesn't help. 
But I was thinking this week that in the long haul um, of this, the social separation part is probably going to be the easiest part of it, right? But this is probably a, a, a generational event where we're going to be talking about this for the rest of our lives, and people after us are going to be talking about what we're living through right now. And so um, it's natural to feel angsty, and feeling angsty alone is even worse. Many of us are going through this alone, and if you have found a healthy way to cope with the social separation part of this, like let me know what that is, because I haven't found it yet. Uh, right now, um, I have good moments, but mostly it's just me staring into the refrigerator, even when I'm not hungry, <laughs> or um, re-watching episodes of The Office, even though I have them all memorized by now. <laughs> I just keep finding myself wanting to escape, you know, and, uh, and, and I, have, I have tried, uh, but, but it has is, it is not gone <laughs> super well yet. So leave your coping habit, your coping mechanisms uh, that have worked in the comments uh, section on whatever platform you are um, watching. Now, um, I, I, have, uh, I have tried and failed. I have, uh, in the beginning, I, I got outside more. I exercised more when the weather was nice. I got outside, for example, I tried to teach my dog, Opal, how to play basketball. And uh, my kids took a video of it here. You can see Opal's got some skills. Defensively, she is a force. Um, she's good on her feet. She's got four feet, so that helps her. But I broke her ankles more than once in this video. That's really why I'm showing you this, because of my skills. Don't watch the shot. Just watch the handles. Um, <laughs> I think the Rockets should take a look at Opal. She's about the right height to be a Rockets player. Uh, and uh, so we had some fun in the early part of this uh, quarantine situation, but it didn't last. The weather turned bad, and then that's when my downward descent into madness began. And, and really, it looked a lot like um, me eating my weight in potato chips and ice cream sandwiches and then being ashamed of it. And the shame just drives you into hiding, right? I wanted to hide from it all. But when you're in quarantine with your family, there's nowhere to hide. Amen, families? There's nowhere you can go. And believe me, I tried, as is attested to in these three home videos that we took in the Huffman house this week. These are real. Check this out. He told me to stay out, but now we're going to spy on him. He's probably just working on his sermon because he has to preach tomorrow. But... Go away. Daddy, what are you doing? I said go away. I'm working on my sermon. Daddy? So you can tell it's been a week, and I know many of you can probably relate. 
to, uh, to what I've been through this week. And the worst part is we don't know how long this is going to last, right? None of us know how long this is going to go on for or how bad it's going to get. There's only one thing that I could really count on this week, and that is the fact that I and many of us have been spoiled rotten by comfort um, for as long as I can remember. You know, I have never gone without. I've always pretty much been able to go where I want to go freely and do what I want to do. And many of us have gotten so used to this that we have no idea how to struggle. And, and that is so evident just in the fact that in recent years, the struggle is real became a meme. Like we were making fun of the fact that none of us really <laughs> knew how to struggle. Um, and, and so now it's like we're a, a new boxer facing a heavyweight and we just got punched in the face. And now we have to adjust and figure out, you know, what it is we're going to do um, and, and how we're going to react. Because I think we got used to life as we knew it. I know I did. Every, every Sunday morning for the last three years, we've been doing the same thing um, in this building. For three years now, we've gathered every Sunday morning at pretty much the same time um, to do the same thing and sing the same songs and speak the same language and be the same church. And we've all been able to count on that, right? And part of me, a huge part of me misses that because usually at this time on Sunday mornings, this place is buzzing with energy, with, um, you know, togetherness and just the, the volume of your voices and it fills the room. Listen, um, I, I know that we've gotten into that routine and there's nothing wrong with that routine until it becomes routine. And there's nothing routine about today. Today, this room looks much different. It is full of chairs, empty chairs, and empty space. Some of our team members are here, staying connected with y'all online. But we're sparsely connected here, like we're not even in the same space anymore, like we are on every Sunday morning, and this room feels empty. And, and, and frankly, it feels a little sad. And so what do we do in times like this? We're used to being gathered on Sunday mornings, and today we are scattered. I want to talk about that today, because the history of the movement of Jesus is one that is about being scattered, and then to gather again, and then once we're gathered, we are scattered. And often we forget how uncomfortable church has been for the majority of Christian history, because we've been comfortable in our version of Christianity. We have boxed the movement in, and we've never known anything other than this. We forget that the movement of Jesus was born in blood, that it was born out of suffering, and that the very first believers were scattered again and again. They were squashed by persecution and evil government and war and, in some cases, disease. But every time they were scattered, they grew stronger instead of weaker. And every time they came back together after being scattered, they were joyful and they had multiplied in number and in spirit. Being scattered is part of what it means to be in this movement that Jesus called together. Gathering and scattering, scattering and gathering, that's half the Bible. The first story that I, I can think of that 
where God really scattered a whole bunch of people is in Genesis 11. It's that famous story of the Tower of Babel that you may know a little something about. Most of us know about it. We don't really know the story. And to really understand the story of Babel, you have to look 10 chapters earlier in the first chapter of Genesis. After God made Adam and Eve, and he gave them his first mandate, the very first command God ever gave to people was to Adam and Eve when in Genesis 1.28, God said, Uh, He blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Now, when God said this to Adam and Eve, it was the very first rule that he gave them, and he gave it to them as husband and wife. And what is he saying? He's saying, do it. Go and do it. Do it a lot. Do it often. Do it wherever. Just do it. Fill the earth with babies and multiply. And somebody, somebody said this week in the comment section of one of our live streams, I think it was on the um, Wednesday night Bible study, somebody said, with all this staying at home, the story better get ready for a baby boom in December. And that, <laughs> that may or may not be the case. Uh, that's great. Hey, if you're married and you love each other like God tells you, Genesis 1, 28, he's got, you got his permission, go do it. Just do it. Just give me 20 more minutes here and then you can go about your business. But that's God's order. And the question is, why would God do that? Does he just want more numbers? Well, no, he says, fill the earth, the whole earth. God wants people, human beings, living in every corner of the earth. He wants people on every continent, evolving into different cultures, speaking different languages, different skin colors, different ways of life, different ways of worshiping. He wants variety. God is anything but vanilla. No matter how vanilla we try to make him in our boxed-in church, he wants us, all of us, the diverse varieties of us. He wants us scattered. He wants us um, diverse and, and different from one another. That's why he scattered the people in Genesis, um, in, in Genesis 11. Uh, it says uh, in verses 8 and 9, so the Lord scattered them. And, and the reason he scattered them is, is because they had built one tower instead of many. They wanted to live in one place instead of many places. They wanted to create one nation instead of many nations. They wanted to worship in one way instead of in many ways. They wanted to be one people instead of many people. And so God destroyed the tower and scattered the people. This is the Bible's explanation for how we got diversity. And it is the mandate of God. It is the will of God that we scatter, that we not slip into monotony of routine. It's been that way from the very beginning. Now, eventually in the Old Testament, the people of God came back together. The Hebrew people came back together and then God scattered them again. And this is the story of the Old Testament. God gathering people and scattering, gathering them and scattering them. Because in their gathering, over time, they became complacent, and so he scattered them. And as they scattered, they grew deeper in their faith. And whenever they had met their, you know, they were at their wits' end, God would pull them back together for encouragement and growth again before scattering them again. Why? Because God loves diversity. God cannot be contained. Now, some people might read the Old Testament and go, well, but didn't God choose one people that he loved the most, his chosen people? Well, 
He did choose a people, but he chose them not for their own sake, but for the sake of the whole world and every nation. That's why in Genesis 12, 15, 18, 22, it says, God says to Abraham, I'm making you the father of many nations and not just one nation. And this promise is repeated throughout the Old Testament. I'm going to send you out. You're going to bless the nations. Psalm 22, you're going to bless the whole earth until they know my name. The scattering season is essential for us. As we follow Jesus together, this is what it means to be the people of God. Now, fast forward then to the days when Jesus walked the earth. Um, Jesus' disciples enjoyed their routine with him. They loved it. They enjoyed their VIP status with him. I mean, how much cooler could it get than hanging out with Jesus every day, being one of his chosen few? And I believe that if Jesus had let them, they would have kept him to themselves forever because they loved it. They, they really enjoyed it. And so why scatter if you're with Jesus? Why go tell everybody else if you get to be with him but Jesus wanted them to be prepared. Jesus knew that a season of scattering was coming, not just for him and his suffering that was coming, but for them as well. And so he told them in John 16, 32, that a time is coming and in fact has come when you will be scattered, each to your own home, and you will leave me all alone. And yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. And a few days later, after Jesus said this, the disciples scattered. They were terrified by what Jesus was going through, his arrest, his conviction, his crucifixion, his death. And so they scattered. They all went to their own places just to avoid his fate becoming theirs. Now, why do you think Jesus told them that even though they would leave him, he would never be alone? He didn't say that for his sake. He didn't say that to remind them that they would abandon him. He said that so they would know. When they felt abandoned, when they felt alone, when they felt scattered, they would never be alone. Because just as the Father was with Jesus, the Father is with us. The Father is with all of us, every believer, everywhere, whether you're in this room on a Sunday morning or at home or wherever you are, God is with you. You are never alone. Jesus told the disciples this because he knew what was coming and he knew they would need to be encouraged. Now, I think this is a word that many of us need to hear today, myself included. After Jesus um, went through his suffering and the disciples scattered and, and Jesus rose from the grave, um, the disciples were encouraged by his words and they came back together. They gathered in Jerusalem in Acts chapter 2. And, and this story in Acts chapter 2 of them regathering from being scattered, it reads like a total reversal of the Babel story from Genesis 11. It's weird how directly this story speaks to that one. In Acts 2, 7 to 13, it says, utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all of these who are speaking Galileans? How is it then that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Serene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, how or what does this mean? And some, however, made fun of them and said they have had too much wine. And that's what some of us said about the people at Costco this week. <laughs> they had too much wine, 
I know a drunk person when I see it. But these people were not drunk. They were joyful and spirit-filled to be together again after having been scattered together again. Instead of all speaking different languages in different places, to be speaking the same language, understanding one another through the Spirit of God together again. Listen, there will come a day when we will gather together again. This season of scattering will be behind us. I don't know when that'll be, but the season of scattering will be over. We will gather back together, and I know that our celebration might run second only to that service they had in Acts chapter 2, which was the most lit service ever, right? Literally, they were on fire with the Holy Spirit. And I know we will be too when we gather back together, when that great day comes. I know on that day we will come together again. But I pray we won't stay together forever in the safety and security of our cocoon called church. It's not the point. And it didn't take long for the first Christians in Acts 2 to be scattered again. And, and by the eighth chapter of the same book of Acts, they were scattered again, just like Joel read earlier, my daughter. She, she said that, that on that day, the persecution broke out, and then the believers were scattered throughout the region. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went, and that's important, that they learned themselves to preach the word wherever they went. These were just church members. These weren't pastors and priests. And they had become accustomed to having the word being given to them, force-fed them, consuming it. But now they learned through the season of scattering to give, to preach, to share in their own right. Listen, you are a pastor at your house now. You are a leader in your community now. This week, I found myself just bored and restless, and I decided to write little note cards that I put in mailboxes throughout our neighborhood, up and down our street. I just wanted people to know there's someone here praying for them. They have a neighbor that's praying for them and here for them if they ever need anything. And that's one way that we can make sure people know that the gospel is as real today as it has ever been. Listen, the more the believers of Jesus scatter, the stronger we become. <laughs> I know it's hard to believe, but every time that, that the church has been scattered and squashed, it has come back tenfold at least. And I know it's even harder to believe that this season we're going through, this tough time that we're in right now, pales in comparison to the stuff that Christians have been scattered by in the past. And this hurts, and this is real, but listen, the Christians that came before us were scattered for reasons other than just a disease that strikes everybody. The Christians that came before us were, they were zeroed in on, they were persecuted directly, they were fed to hungry lions, fed to the dogs, they were stoned, they were crucified, they were chased from their homes, they feared for their lives, they had to find ways of being the church, even when their church buildings were no more. The season of being scattered can grow you deeper, much deeper than the seasons of gathering can. We have to know what we're up against. We're up against our comfort with idolatry. We're up against our complacency. We're up against just what we're used to, right? And, and 
All of those things that we did together every Sunday morning in this room, they were good things, but God is about to show us something even better. That he cannot be contained by our religion or our buildings. That his love is much bigger than what we have made it out to be. He's about to show us that Jesus went viral long before it was a thing to go viral, that Jesus' love is far more contagious than any virus we'll ever know, that this is the time to spread. This is the time to teach. This is the time to share with a world in need just how real and how life-saving the love of God in Christ can be and how all that really matters, all that really matters is knowing God and being known by God, loving God, and being loved by God. A few years ago on Palm Sunday, two churches in Egypt were attacked by terrorists. This was in 2017, and in these Palm Sunday attacks, over 40 Christians were massacred in an instant. Hundreds more were injured. In the days that followed, uh, Egyptian media was covering the event and the tragedy, and, and one Egyptian, um, secular Egyptian TV station interviewed the widow of a man who had been killed just days before the interview. And I want you to see her faith, even though she's been scattered, even though she's been chased far out of her comfort zone by tragedy. This was her response to the man that took her husband's life. أنا فرحانة بيه ومبسوطة ومش زعلانة من اللي عمل كده بقول له ربنا يسامحك أنت مغيب يا ابني أنت مغيب صدقني مغيب ومش زعلانة بس أنا بطلب من ربنا يعني اللي هو خلاص انتهى وراح بطلب من ربنا إن يعني يسامحهم ويحاولوا يفكروا شوية يفكروا يفكروا صدقيني لأن هم لو فكروا إحنا ما بنعملهمش أي حاجة صدقيني ما بنعملهمش حاجة لهم فكروا تاني فكروا اللي أنتوا بتعملوه ده صح ولا غلط وربنا يسامحكم وإحنا مسامحينكم بأمانة بقولها مسامحينكم وصدقيني لأن أنتوا حطيتوا لي أبو أولادي في مكان ما كنتش أتمنى العمر كله صدقيني بأمانة يعني أنا عمري أنا بفتخر بيه وبتمنى أكون أنا جنبه صدقيني يا بنتي وأشكرك يا حبيبتي أقباط مصر مصنوعين من فولاذ أقباط مصر مئات السنين بيتحملوا كوارث ومصايب كتيرة القبط المصري يعشق تراب بلده القبط المصري يتحمل كل شيء عشان وطنه وإيه كمية التسامح اللي عندكو دي لو أعدائكو يعرفوا قد ايه انتوا متسامحين بجد ما كانش حد يصدق ده انا لو ابويا والله ما اقول كده ابدا الناس دي عندها كميه تسامح عن حق عن عقيده دول بني ادمين والله مصنوعين من ماده تانية الله يرحمه عم نسيم بطل وشهيد ومثل اعلى للي قاعد كل واحد في البلد دي يقول لك هي البلد دي ايه والبلد دي ماشيه ازاي؟ البلد دي ماشيه كده. البلد دي ماشيه بالصبر بالجلد بالتحمل 
بالست العظيمه دي بالعيال اللي خلف ما ماتش ضرباهم وعمل رجاله Christians are made of a different substance. May it be so, even in a crisis like this, especially in a crisis like this, may it be so. May we never again fall into the trap of creating out of the church just another Babel, just another building that we rally around to be one people in one place, speaking one language all together in a routine. When we do come back together, and I long for that day, believe me, I long for that. But when we do come back together, I hope we don't come back together the same. I hope we come back together completely changed. I hope we come back together transformed, multiplied in number and in spirit, made new by the Spirit of God. Jesus cannot be contained, not by this building, not by any preacher, can't even be contained by church services on a Sunday morning. Listen, Jesus is yours and he's all yours. 24-7, he's yours. So tell the stories of the gospel in your homes. Tell the Bible truth of God's love to your neighbors. Make sure the people around you who are hurting and alone know that you're never alone. Your father is with you. He's with you now. We're going to have a time of prayer. This one's going to be a little different. This one's going to be led by families in our church who um, recorded themselves praying so that they could lead us in this prayer. It's the prayer we often pray on Sunday mornings here at the story, the Lord's Prayer. And I pray that wherever you are, you would know, even though we don't share the same room, we share the same God, and we are together in this prayer. So join me and other families and other folks here at the story as we pray the Lord's Prayer together. Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Is that good?